Testing. Sounds like we're on. Ready to go. Well, we're ready to open our Bibles and let the Lord teach us today. We're going to start off in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. But let's start with prayer. Heavenly Father, one of the reasons we've come here today is to be taught, and we know you're going to do that again right now, is we open your word. Uh, sometimes things are hard for us to understand, and we pray that you give us understanding. Help us to come to a deeper appreciation of your word, and help us to make a connection in our own personal life to see what this word means for us. And we know that this is possible through the Holy Spirit and his working in our lives. So please, Lord, uh, change us today. Help us to understand what you'll have us to do. Thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I said, we'll start off in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, in our Bible study that we've been having, we've been going through the Gospel of John, and we talked a little bit about how Jesus' method of teaching was to sometimes get up in people's faces. Uh, if he sensed that his followers or some of the crowds that were following him were getting kind of lazy and dull of, of mind and uh, kind of taking things for granted, he would hit them really hard with something. Like we studied the other week where he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. <laughs> what? What does that mean? And it stunned a lot of people. And it really you know, got, got them to thinking. And some people even turned from him and didn't follow him anymore because it was such a bold statement that they didn't understand. So we're going to see an example of that kind of teaching today in this parable of the workers in the vineyard. It's a parable that I'm sure we've read many times. We're going to take the opportunity to get into it a little bit more deeply today and see specifically what meaning it has for each of us. Now, uh, as we read through this uh, uh, story, this parable, uh, he's talking about workers and he's talking about the work day. And it's a comparison being made to God as the, the master of the, the uh, vineyard or the landowner. And we tend to be the workers. Uh, let's see what he says here. We'll read through it. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were first hired, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. 
I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Now looking at this through human eyes, I guess, with our uh, carnal way of looking at things from time to time, it almost seems like God is unfair here. You know, we, most all of us have jobs, and we're familiar with the work day and work hours and pay, uh, and we put a lot of importance on fairness. You know, from the time we're born and we grow up, fairness is what it's all about, isn't it? I remember many times having to struggle with our children, you know, when they felt that one of them got special treatment that the other ones didn't. You know, maybe it was a piece of cake that we served everybody, and if somebody's piece was bigger, they were quick to point out that it wasn't fair. Or if somebody got the piece of cake that had all the frosting on it, and they didn't, you know, they wanted what the other one had. And we spend most of our time as parents trying to straighten out you know, complaints about fairness. Don't we as adults feel the same way? You know, when we're at work and we see somebody, one of the uh, employees, get special attention, or maybe we find out that they got a raise and we know that we work harder than they do, we get into a bad attitude, don't we? We think, well, that's so-and-so. I've seen him or her out in the, the uh, warehouse sleeping during the day. You know, during the, the work hours, they're supposed to be working. I'm working. Why did they get a raise? It's not fair. But one of the things that God is teaching in this parable here is that grace is not necessarily fair. You ever realize that? If we all got what we deserved... None of us would be here. We're here by God's grace, right? Which we don't deserve. What we do deserve is death because of our sins. So grace is not fair in the way that the world sees fairness. Think about that. And we should be very thankful and appreciative that grace is not fair because we have been given through God's grace what we don't deserve. So keep that thought in the back of your mind as we kind of back up and go through this uh, parable once again. You know, back in Jesus' day, it was a 12-hour workday. They started at 6 in the morning, and they ended at 6 in the evening. So kind of, you know, picture in your mind a 12-hour workday. And the pay that the owner of the vineyard gave to the workers was a very fair wage, a denarius, was the standard wage that a Roman soldier would get. And most workers who were just hired maybe for day work wouldn't get that much. Uh, so it was a very generous wage, considered to be very generous. The landowner here is the Lord. The workers are his followers, which includes us. Okay? The vineyard, if you want to look at it this way, is the kingdom of God. So when we enter into the vineyard, we're entering into the kingdom of God and the kingdom's work that we do. Pay stands for salvation. The pay stands for the salvation. So again, let's back up to verse 1 here. He compares the kingdom of heaven to workers in a vineyard, so it all kind of fits into place. And the landowner was 
the man who owned the vineyard, and it was harvest time, and it seems like he was feeling some pressure. He needed to have the harvest done right away. Maybe uh, colder weather was coming in, and he didn't want the grapes to be ruined. They had to be harvested at the right time. So that's why he goes out, and back in this day, workers tended to congregate in the marketplace and waited around to get hired, kind of like a union hall today, where maybe a plumbers or electricians would go in and, and wait for a call or wait for somebody to hire them for a day's work, or maybe it would last even a little bit longer. So here comes this landowner, which symbolizes God. He comes into the uh, marketplace and sees men who are looking for work. And he calls them to work in his vineyard. So these are people called by the Lord, maybe the disciples, maybe uh, you know, the apostles as they were originally called. They kind of come into the vineyard and start working. He started working at the, the crack of dawn, 6 a.m. So then uh, about 9 a.m., he goes back to hire more workers. Maybe uh, the weather's starting to get worse. And he says, hey, I got to get these uh, grapes harvested. Let me get some more workers in there, more men in to work. So uh, he does it at uh, the third hour, 9 o'clock in the morning. And notice this time he doesn't tell them how much he's going to pay them. He says, I'll pay you whatever is right. So they trusted him. They went into the vineyard. So he comes out again at about uh, noon. He comes out again at about 3 in the afternoon, says the same thing to them. They come in to work in the vineyard. Then verse 6, the 11th hour. So this is an hour before quitting time. We're talking about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. He goes out and gets still others. Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? No one has hired us, okay? Come into the vineyard. Now, it's kind of interesting the way Jesus tells this story and the way God portrays this. Because uh, all of a sudden, the landowner, the owner of the vineyard, you know, he's, he's a rich guy. He's got this big vineyard. He can kind of call the shots. So he gets this feeling over him. I'm going to be especially generous today. I have decided that I'm going to pay all the workers a denarius. I'm going to be a real generous guy today. Now, if you were the landowner or I was the landowner, I would start with the guy who started at 6 a.m. I would start with that group and say, okay, here's your denarius. And they would be very happy. And they'd walk away with their day's pay, and they'd go home or they'd go wherever to the marketplace to spend it, and they'd be very satisfied. But what the landowner here does, what the Lord does, he starts with a group that came in at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and of course all of these early birds watch and they see what's going on, and Jesus because he's testing everybody here. He starts with the ones who started at 5 o'clock and says, well, here's your denarius. So you can imagine what the ones who started at 6 in the morning thought. Wow, he gave them, those people who only worked one hour, a denarius. So that must mean, let's multiply the denarius by 12. Since we started at 6 a.m., we're going to get 12 of those denariuses, or denarii, however it's, it's said. So that's human nature, isn't it? You would think the same thing. I would think the same thing. But as he goes from one group to another, he gives them all the same. 
So it wasn't just the ones who worked at six, started working at six. The ones who started working at nine thought, well, how, how much am I going to get now? This is really going to be a tremendous day. But he gives everybody, no matter how long they worked, one denarius. And of course, the people start getting into a bad attitude. Every group gets into a bad attitude. Now, like I said, if that was me, I would have started with the ones who worked at six. They would have been happy. They got paid what I promised them. But no, to teach a lesson here, he starts with the latecomers and works backwards. And everybody, except for that first group, they're especially happy. They got paid a day's wage for working one hour. They're super happy. And every other group, especially that first group down there, is in a really bad attitude. They're grumbling, they're complaining, okay? So what does this picture for us? Well, it pictures the followers of Jesus coming into their kingdom work, okay? Some of us have been in the church for many, many years. There are some in here, well, our congregation has been in, in existence for 50 years, over 50 years now, and we have charter members here. So they've been at it for over 50 years. And we've got others who have come into the church recently, maybe a year or two they've been around. And what God is saying here is, you know what? When it comes to my grace and your reward, you're all going to get eternal life, just as I promised you. You have all been promised eternal life once you accept Jesus Christ, once you repent and accept him as your Lord and Savior. So everybody is going to get the reward that God promised. There shouldn't be any bad attitudes about it. Don't forget, we're not working on fairness here. We're working on grace. And there's a difference. Fairness has to do with a human way of looking at things. Grace is not always fair, it seems, but it's very generous by God. As I said, if God were fair, none of us would be here. So they start to voice their, their complaints to the landowner. And it says here, uh, verse 9, the workers who were hired about the 11th hour came, each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. So this is ironic because this is what they were promised when they were hired. Now that they received it, they're in a bad attitude because they're looking at it through human fairness rather than looking at it through God's grace. These men who were hired last work only one hour, they said. You have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. Now, the landowner asks three questions here that I want you to take note of. The first question in verse 13, he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? And the, the person had to say, well, yeah, I did. Well, then God gave them what he promised them. <laughs> he says, take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? And the answer to that is, 
Well, yes. <laughs> you know, the owner of any company has a right to do with what their own money, whatever they want to do with it. If they want to give somebody a raise and not you, they are free to do that. You know, sometimes we have to look at it through God's eyes. You know, if, if you're at work and somebody gets a raise, somebody gets a bonus, somebody gets a promotion of some kind, and you don't, you have to remember, that business owner who has hired you and has given you a job, they have the right to bestow their grace on whomever they choose. And we should not get into a bad attitude about it. We should, in a sense, rejoice that this person received a blessing or they received grace from, from the business owner because he truly has the right, he owns the company. You know, he controls all of the money of the company and he has a right to do whatever he wants with it. He says, or are you envious because I am generous? So here are people that felt that way against God. We tend to feel that way sometimes against our physical bosses or, you know, perhaps other cases as well. Uh, but uh, those are the three questions he asks, and he actually silences the complainers. He says the last will be first and the first will be last. But what about spiritually speaking? What meaning does this have for us as members of the church? Because in a sense, we're workers in the vineyard, aren't we? The vineyard pictures the kingdom of God. We have been hired at different points during the day or at different points during our life. Some are longtime members and have been working really hard. Others, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago came into the vineyard. Some of us are very new in the vineyard. Let me give you three spiritual lessons that we learn from this uh, parable here. The first spiritual lesson that we learn is no matter when in your life you decide to accept Jesus as Lord, in other words, to join his kingdom or to enter into the vineyard, no matter when in your life you decide to accept Jesus as Lord, you are entitled to all the rights and benefits of the kingdom of God. We all get God's grace once we accept Jesus as Savior. We all come into the church. We all have the promise of eternal life. We all have a ticket that we've been given for the wedding feast of the Lamb. You will be there. You are invited. You have your ticket. Your ticket has been stamped by the blood of Jesus Christ, okay? So we are all expected to be at that wedding feast because by God's grace, he has now placed us there. So you don't have to worry about judgment time. When judgment time comes, when Jesus Christ returns, you are a welcome guest at the wedding feast of the Lamb. There's no doubt about it. Nobody can take that away from you. That is guaranteed you through God's grace and through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You are entitled to all the rights and benefits, no matter how long you've been in the church. You know, as soon as you accept Jesus as a Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. And along with the Holy Spirit comes Jesus himself and the Father. You are welcomed into that relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are a child of God now, an official child of God, and God is not going to take that away from you, no matter how long you're in the church. 
Now, there are people that have been in the church over 50 years. There are people who have been in our denomination for 70 years, maybe more, closer to 80 years. They've been Christians all their life. And there are some people who just come into the church. We're all promised and we're all given the same rights and benefits of kingdom life. The last ones hired got the same pay as the first ones. So it doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. You know, some of us who have been in a long time, when we hear that somebody made a deathbed uh, confession, repentance, just before they died, minutes before they died, moments before they died, you know, maybe the, the minister was there with them, and the minister said, asked them, you know, let me tell you a little bit about, about Jesus. He's a savior, and, and he will welcome you into his kingdom. All you have to do is just... Tell them you're sorry for your sins and accept them as your Savior. And I have seen people do that on their deathbed. Now, when we hear that, we think, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Listen, I've been a Christian for 50 years. You know, I've been through the trenches of, of all of the, the trials and tribulations that I've endured in my life. And I've gone through it all, the you know, sufferings and the blessings. And you mean to tell me that this guy on his deathbed like the last words that he said before he died was, yes, I accept Jesus as my Savior. Bang, he's gone. You mean to tell me that he is going to be in heaven just like I'm going to be in heaven? The answer is yes. You know, we all know the example of the thief on the cross, don't we? Here was a man who, we don't think that he was a Christian, but he was a thief, a convicted thief. There were two of them, one on each side of Jesus at the time of his crucifixion. And the one man was in such a terrible, bitter attitude, he kept cursing Jesus and, you know, uh, didn't believe who he was at all. But this other guy said, hey, shut your mouth. Don't criticize this man. We're sinners. He's not. And this man seemed to, to at least in a, a surface way, who knows, God knows the heart. Maybe it was in his heart. He, he felt deeply convicted of his sins, and he, he said that Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said to him, I tell you, you're going to be in paradise with me today. And he is, and he was. So it doesn't matter how long you've worked in the vineyard. Once you come to work in the vineyard, once God calls you to work in the vineyard, you start doing your kingdom work because you've become a follower of Jesus no matter if it's 70 or 80 years, or no matter if it's a matter of hours, you have the same benefits and privileges of the kingdom of God that everybody else does. Notice in Ephesians, let's turn to Ephesians 1, verse 13. Ephesians 1, and verse 13. Like I said, sometimes we look at this the way we would look at work, you know, through carnal uh, eyes of whether something is fair or not. God's grace isn't fair. In Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 13, notice what it says here. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. So yeah, you entered into the vineyard. You became a follower of Christ when you repented and accepted him. 